Eric Veal with the AppsJack Capable Communities Podcast, and I am coming to you from Seattle, Washington, which is home of Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Boeing, and an incredible startup ecosystem that rivals Silicon Valley. Each episode, I bring on friends and guests who are executives and business leaders from the local community and around the world to talk about a topic that we find very interesting. Please enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, this is Eric Veal with the AppsChat Capable Communities Podcast, and this is a series about IT management. And for this series, I brought in a few friends from the local community and associates. I've got uh, Dave DeNoya, Don Alvarez, and Kafaya Dawood. And I'm very happy to have these people on the podcast with me. Dave is a former uh, co-worker at Microsoft. Don and I uh, collaborated together previously on a few projects and know each other through the local business community. And Kafaya and I are new, new friends. Kafaya used to work at Boeing for a really long time. And so I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves. And I'll start with Dave. Hi, uh, my name is Dave Denoya, and uh, I've been working in data and analytics for about 14 years now. I uh, worked at big companies, startups, and consulting, um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited about uh, this podcast uh, for you, Eric. And this is Don Alvarez. I uh, started out in tech with a PhD in physics and three trips to the South Pole, uh, after which the obvious next step was to go work for companies like Disney and Microsoft and so forth. Uh, at this point, I'm doing a uh, startup building software for filmmakers that is a cloud-based uh, innovative architecture for that uh, space. Great follow-up for me. This is Kifaya Dawood. I used to work at Boeing for seven years, did a lot of customer relations support for the global airlines. Prior to that, I did sales and hospitality and marketing. I'm very excited about talking to you guys and learning more about it. And for the next couple of months, I'm sort of dedicating my time to sort of enjoying Seattle's summer. I have not been able to do that since I came to America about 17 years ago. So this is a great time for me. Awesome. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. So again, this is Eric Veal with the AppShack Capable Communities Podcast, and this is a series about IT management. All right. On the, on the last episode, we talked about uh, business intelligence, big data, and so forth. And we had Dave DeNoya, and uh, we explored a bunch of ideas about big data and changes that had happened since the days of SQL, going to NoSQL, and organizational change-related things about that. And um, the topic that we're going to talk about in this segment is um, distributed systems. And so how that relates to big data, at least in my mind, is that the big data comes from distributed systems, period. And so that's kind of a context or category that we can focus on, and we will for the next 20 minutes or so. Um, just talking about distributed systems. So we'll talk about the internet. We'll talk. We can talk about IoT. We can talk about uh, devices. We can talk about um, pretty much anything. But it's it's still I think a conversation about data. But we're asking how. What are the ways and channels and for example that where data is captured or data are captured. So I'd, I'd hand it over to to my panelists today, Dave and Don and Kafaya, to say anything or tell any story about their experiences with distributed systems or where are distributed systems going. Uh, clearly things are different today, uh, seemingly more global and distributed than they have been in years past. I'm sure we're at a height of distribution of systems and that's probably a good thing. Um, I'm, there's probably a dark side to it as well. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the topic and we can just bat it around. I'll, uh, 
I'll just kick in there and and say, do we also want to add in the question about the consumption mm -hmm. of this, both as uh, as a distributed process and as a as an organizational process, in that you've got things that are distributed both at the source of the data and you've got things that are distributed at the processing and the consumption. One, one thing I will, will add for just the sake of facilitation and or, uh, order is that the next episode will focus on security architecture. So for this one, is again, we just spoke about a business intelligence and kind of like consuming of the data and organizing it and using it for decision making and how that impacts organizations. So that's what we just talked about. So this is distributed systems, and so we just talk about distributed systems, whatever that means to us, but not yet the security architecture thing, no controls, no regulation, no uh, fear-mongering or whatever that might mean. <laughs> We're looking at the plethora of channels and devices and uh, IoT mechanisms that are capturing uh, data today and are, are providing computerized systems to everybody. So the cloud is in here, for example, I think as well. Yes. And Kafai, you had some cloud stuff. You want to talk about the cloud a little bit? But for like, from what I'm thinking about it, I know how that works here, and I'm just thinking about the places I travel to, the clients I interacted with outside of the border of US. So how does that work for emerging market? How does that look like for you know, countries that don't have um, strong network system yet they don't how do you set up an infrastructure for example to actually succeed in this because eventually everybody um don mentioned this information technology everybody that's the future that's where we're already there everybody else is trying to get there so how do you distribute it and how can you think of it outside of our cultural you know of conceptions but how do you work that for countries that are trying to progress in trying to set up, because eventually everybody's going to be in some kind of cloud. Yeah, and I, I think it is distributed. I mean, it's yeah. so it, it's becoming more and more distributed. Correct. And so I think there's a, a global mind to it where you just say, like you use the word the internet Correct. to describe all of these services and collections of yes. things that some are just places, there. Yeah. That's the internet. It's this big thing. Yes. And then the internet gets broken up into smaller pieces that could be data centers Correct. or like cloud infrastructure pieces where... Uh, AWS has the West Coast data center, and so if I'm on the West Coast, I'm going to connect to computing resources that are near me yes. because I know that as network travels, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as served if I connected to something in Australia, mm -hmm. and and yes. hap, you know hope for something that was quick. I'd rather connect to something in my back door, more or less. Yes. So I think that's part of this architecture distribution conversation is that there's very big players and be and for example that are setting up very large data centers all over the world Correct. and then there's a regulatory side and so i think we can get course, into yeah. this part of the regulatory this is not security architecture per se but but it does start to get into that realm dawn that part of our distributed systems conversation has to include security architecture or thoughts about that uh, because of the geopolitical things yeah well and in addition to the, so yes, you've got uh, uh, the geopolitical, the different regulatory landscapes for keeping track of data, particularly data that pertains to personally identifiable information or et cetera. Uh, the other uh, direction that I thought you might have been heading with this is that there's also issues with 
as the scale of the data gets large and you start talking about uh, petabytes of data that you're mining, then all of a sudden the locality of the data starts to become important because uh, you can't just easily push that over the internet and pull it down. And so a lot of the processing that you might have wanted to do previously close to the end user, you're now having to do close to where the data is uh, solely to be getting at that. And I'm kind of curious, what, like, from both of your experiences, uh, like, what is the impact of that, of, of the fact that, like, you know, for, for, for you, you, there's a West Coast data center, but maybe mm-hmm. if you're in a, in a much more uh, remote to technology location that you would still have to go to the West Coast data center. And what is the impact on the consumer, uh, on the user in that context? Like, is it, is it, is it seconds? Is it things aren't possible? Oh, so, it's huge. I okay, mean, yeah, when like, you don't have that access... Um, but I mean, you, you, you could still, right? You could go off a satellite, come over to the, you know, here like, and then come back. So what's... I'm just, like, it, also, it's just power, right? Because yeah. when you have accessibility... Things happen faster, right? Mm-hmm. But when you are relying on a farther network, it might not be as reliable. It might not be as fast. And it's also there is kind of a knowledge that get, get lost in this whole not having a secure or not having just, say, your own backyard of providing you this new machine, really, that you're going to grow with. And few of the, my experiences, I will say, it's like people would, consumers would find a way. I come from East Africa. Um, there were like times where the government wouldn't allow, say, um, Skype. I'm from Ethiopia. That's not a secret. I have no decision to go back, so I can talk about this. So Skype was not allowed. Gotcha. They found, we found a way. Like my family and my nieces, my sisters, the entire young generations of Ethiopians with cell phone found a way, found a way to connect, and you know where they wanted to connect mostly? To most of the email I got was from Facebook. That, that was how much Facebook meant to them, that they found a way to get on that and then continue to chat and continue to talk because for them, that was, that's how they saw the world. That was their world was getting closed out because in prior to that, for me, for years, it was a Skype, like, saved me so much money. I get to see them. I get to talk to them. This is fantastic technology. So people... People are younger in all of Africa. People are really younger, all of Latin America, and they do have access, which is for them is a cell phone, right? They're consumers because that's where they consume their technology. And then you, then they'll find a way, and they find an avenue to communicate, to consume, to sort of see this big world that is, you know, U.S. as a driver, Facebook, and getting connected to the world. And I think the passion, the driver for business from maybe government side or corporate side in that environment is the, the passion is there. They have the consumer. Now, how can they sort of create and implement an uh, environment where they can sort of drive growth within their backyard? One, one just organizing uh, comment about that or just about this distributed systems comment is the idea of a client. So like picture your cell phone or your yeah. web browser yeah. or whatever. Like there's that side of things like the device that you're actively using yeah. it. That's, that's one part of the thing. And your bandwidth, like your connection up to the internet cloud, whatever it might be, might be really fast, might be really slow. And so obviously if I'm sitting right next to Microsoft, you know, I'm probably going to have a pretty fast yes. bandwidth, whereas if I'm in the middle of the desert somewhere, I'm, yes. it might be a little bit less. So those issues or constraints as they relate to computing really do matter. They do. And to your point about motivation and people really wanting to do these yes. things, 
I mean, I can remember downloading, you know, web browsers back in the day on the 28.8 baud or 14.4 baud kilobaud modems, and it was totally worth it. Like we would oh, yeah. totally wait, you know, hours to get these things. <laughs> it, it was wonderful, you know, and it was like it couldn't be more exciting that you had the internet now. I remember MSN chat. Oh my God, my life depended it was on huge, getting on right? it. I mean, it's just like, and it's so worth it, right? It you just good. totally will. T- the the pain is non-existent. Yeah. I mean, it might be a, a bad experience, quote unquote, or like relatively bad compared to what we understand now. But there's a motivation or value thing Correct. where people just are willing to do it. And so I think that's a part of this architecture or just this distributed systems thing is mm-hmm. even in your examples of the uh, Eastern Africa or, or just like areas that really want this stuff, whether mm-hmm. it's Western culture or just innovation or Correct. capabilities, whatever yeah. they might be, people are motivated to do it. Yes. And so there, oh, yeah. there's already demand for that. And then the... I think it did to me just boils back down from a business perspective back to down to these geopolitical things is like Google can't just go into China Correct. or yeah, I, I don't of remember course, the whole China. I don't know much about China. the China topic, but oh, I know yeah. that's an example of a, of a big one where it's just they've got their own rules and regulations. They and do. So, yeah. And another example I'll throw in with this one is Kiba. Yeah, I, I was going to bring that up. Because yeah. I, um, I was uh, brave enough to go before. This happened. Oh. <laughs> Yay for me! I saw this one coming. So when for me, like I loved it. I loved it from just business perspective. And for me, I remember living in place like that. I came from a third world country, and I did grow up in Ethiopia during the communist regime. So some of the thing there is like a reminder of you know my oh my God, thank you Jesus for bringing me to America. So. One of two things that came up was like I was trying to read about it. My husband and I, we saw kids circle up, huddle up to this, uh, what do they call hotspot? I mean, just to get on Instagram. They're not calling anyone to save them or not calling for any emergency, just to see pictures of their friends that are in some other parts of Kiva or some other parts of the world. That's how much important it was. So for my husband and I, we're like, we're disconnected. How awesome. Nobody's calling us. Nobody's bothering us. This is vacation. We don't have to worry about checking our phones. So we're having sort of, you know, disconnected meditation, just loving the food, loving the art, loving, um, I went in to do some, you know, interviews with the artists, with professors, just to get what the culture was like in, from the communism, living under communism for as long as they did. And from the outside perspective, just seeing, because I interviewed um, a kid who's 19 and he's a blogger, fashion blogger, and he, was, he said he goes to every hotspot, which is usually located near the hotel, just to post pictures of whatever he designed or his fashion photos that he's taking, and all day, all the, all the younger generation between 14 to 25, that's all they do in Cuba. So it's kind of just when you get out of here, you realize how big of a deal Instagram yeah. is. Here, I can get on Instagram anywhere I want. I, I heard of another story in Cuba, which was, uh, I think it's like, I, and I'm, I didn't read the full article, but I, I believe it's, the, it's effectively CD-ROMs, that people are people are aggregating a bunch of information, news, movies, all yes. kinds of stuff. Still CDs are big and then deal. And then they run around, and you get the CD, and you mm-hmm. have it for 24 hours, and yeah. you can take whatever you want off of it, and Correct. then it goes to the next person, and oh, then yeah. you give it back to them, and it goes to the next person. And that's how it's, because there's so little internet access, that's how a lot of this stuff it's is getting It's very spread. well, like, it's, I felt like you, I can see the desperation of the children or the kids there because I did feel like, wow, I'm really cut off from the world because I can't really go on Google. 
And that for me is a cultural shock. Since I came to US, I've been on Yahoo, I've always had access to Google, I've always had some kind of accessibility to read the news I want to about my own country or mm -hmm. some other places, do some research. Just also be an information junkie, like get on it and just read some magazine information. But it's always been accessible to me. Then going back there and having to know that, wow, this is just not even accessible information over the internet because they don't actually have the infrastructure yeah. there. So likely, I think it looks like Google and GE might go there. How much is it, I think we've heard a lot on the regulatory side, but then yeah. you just mentioned that they don't have, the, like, how much is it regulatory and how much is it lack of infrastructure? Like, how do those two things interact? It's both, right? Yeah. For the longest time there that they had kind of, they really didn't want to interact with the world. It was kind of their own power that they had being just exclusive and cut off from the world. But they kind of realizing it, like, okay, we have to open our self-market-wise. market, market -wise. We have to open so that since I got... Castro's passing, they, the new government or his brother is really trying to drive that in different directions. So now, say the government wants the infrastructure, the infrastructure is not there. Mm. So people have found a way, yeah. little bits of ways to interact because people from Miami might be sending them cell phones and that is becoming a big deal as that's because you know, um, computers are extremely expensive. Sure. There, uh, people from their world country do not have access yeah, no, to computers. The cell phone is Cell phone the, it is because yeah. they just don't have that kind of resources. I mean, that's more than a year a working class would make some of these computers. So for them, cell phone it is the way to go. So they want it. They just don't have infrastructure. I, I have a question. What What is a distributed system? And I ask that. I don't even mean it in a challenging way, but I was just thinking, I was remembering an experience for me. I was the editor in chief of my high school newspaper in 1995, 1994-95. And in order to take the three-page, full-page paper down to the publisher to print it, yeah. I had to I had to split it into fourteen discs, like it, because the photos and whatnot. I have fourteen oh, floppies. I remember doing this for the yearbook. Yeah, that yeah, it was like, right? yeah, yeah. It was like hundreds of discs. Yeah, yeah I mean, so so I like literally sit in front of the computer and yeah. just like you know whatever split this yeah. this file into fourteen pieces so that I could put it on discs Even and that, like that was the technology. That's just what I did, and so I mean, it sounds different, or sorry, it sounds similar to what we said earlier, or what I said earlier about waiting for something to download, and so there's. There used to be these user experiences that were slow or ridiculous or, or things that we'd laugh at now, but I guess what I, what I was what was dawning upon me is I don't even know what a distributed system is. Like all systems are distributed. Correct. Yeah. For example, like a system is other than me, and Correct. it's it's probably a shared resource. Like yeah. even even my cell phone is a distributed system. I, I don't really fine, yeah. the topic almost confuses me. So. I was just at the Boeing Museum of Flight here in Seattle just a couple of days ago. It's a absolutely fantastic, uh, fantastic museum, amazing Great. collection. But one of the things that I like most about that museum is that it has a section that they call the Red Barn, which is the original building, yep. the the original uh, uh, very small facility that was where Boeing, the early yep. Boeing planes were made. And it has a reconstruction of a early factory setting at a time when in the late, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, a factory was a big room that had a motor in it. 
And that motor was a couple of horsepower motor. And there were uh, pulleys and belts that came off that motor. And if you wanted to drill a hole in something, you pulled a lever that engaged a pulley with a belt that caused the machine there near you to turn. And then you released that. And so basically, we're all using the motor to manufacture and then and so that to begin with is a crazy concept to us today we can't imagine there being the motor any more than we can imagine there being the computer but the evolution uh, what we think about most clearly is the transition to well obviously there are lots of motors in a factory today obviously there are lots of computers in any in any system today but I think as important is the shift from that building that had its motors in it or had its computers in it to today, Boeing is a massively distributed manufacturing organization that happens at a whole host of range of scales in different locations with different latencies between them, different values of locating and co-locating things. And so really when, we, when we're talking about distributed systems, the reason why it's hard to know what it is is it's sort of where do you draw that line Correct, yeah. in the set of transformations that have happened. Yeah. And uh, when, when we were talking about the transition into uh, digital distributed systems here and talking about the role of bandwidth, sort of before we jumped into the focus on the human domain of the desire to overcome those, um, one of the other sort of forks that one can go during that process to say, well, if I know that I've got these bandwidth constraints, these delivery constraints, these distribution constraints, that also impacts how I build my systems and the kind of systems that I design. Yeah. And so I know in, in my world, and, and uh, Dave, in the last section, it was interesting listening to how you hear how you think about uh, big data and data infrastructure and the analysis of data uh, coming very much from the what I think of as a data-first approach Absolutely. to thinking about that data, whereas I tend to approach it more from a uh, data-reduced or what what is what is the the set of answers or the set of baked down data that I want to spend a lot of time with. And that lets me transition from the petabyte-style petabyte data lakes that you would be dealing with yeah. that have to be located close to your processing center into, for me, it then becomes, well, how do I pack that down into a set of data that I know that I can use at the point that I'm interested in yep. and that I can afford analyst, to move totally. back and forth. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so it's very different ways of thinking about yeah. that data. Absolutely. Great. So, so this has been a conversation about uh, distributed systems. Next, we're going to talk about security architecture. So just kind of quick recap on, on where we've been so far. Talked about business intelligence. Uh, just focused a little bit on the distributed architectures and how we see kind of uh, geopolitical issues, how... Uh, over time, our technology has expanded in so many ways, and 
we're clearly in a massively expansive realm where more and more users will be using the technology and it's powerful technology now. And next we're gonna talk about how to control it and we'll call that security architecture. You've been listening to the AppsJack podcast. The creator and host of this podcast is Eric Veal. It was recorded, engineered, and produced by Christian Harris. You can contact us and find all our show notes on our website at appsjack.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N. If you like what you hear on this podcast, let us know by writing us a very nice five-star review on iTunes and subscribing. You can also find out more by going to appsjack.com meetup to get more information on this month's topic in the corresponding meetup group that Eric hosts in Bellevue, Washington each month. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next month for our next episode of the Abstract Podcast. This has been a Seatown Media production. Find out more at seatownmedia.com, S-E-A hyphen townmedia.com.